Now, the biggest thing with meditation is you might struggle with thinking that you're making it up. And that's where you have to just let all the doubt that creeps in, let it be there, but try not to give it too much energy. Just acknowledge it like a cloud passing by, but then receive the message because the right brain is the center of creativity, imagination, and intuition. It's all coming from the same place, but that's where the meditation happens. And that's where this connection with departed loved ones happen. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Rebecca Rosen. Rebecca is a spiritual medium and best-selling author with over 20 years of experience working as an ambassador between the spirit world and our day-to-day world. Today we discuss Rebecca's view on the circle of life and the afterlife, how to unlearn negative beliefs and become unstuck, why affirmations alone don't work, how to get grounded without meditating, what communicating with the dead has taught her about what truly matters during our time on earth, how Rebecca shifted from a spiritual skeptic to a longtime believer, how to begin to connect with your spirit guides in the afterlife, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Rebecca Rosen to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. I'm really excited to chat with you. And one of the reasons I'm um, stoked to to have you on here is because um, you're able to talk to people in their afterlife. And I'm really intrigued. And I think my audience would be intrigued too, in how do you view like the circle of life? You know, because traditionally, I would say um, most people, I would say a lot of people, they see themselves as being born, they live on earth, and then they die and they, they are Christian, they might go to heaven or some other afterlife thing that their religious beliefs kind of coincide with. Or, you know, some people might believe that they go somewhere else. But I know afterlife in your work is powerful for helping people transform their lives. So talk a bit about like your view on all that. Yeah, of course. You know, I've been doing this work for about 24 years now, and it's very consistent. And here's the one thing I know that I don't think anybody can argue with. And that is everything is energy and energy doesn't die. It changes form. And so when we are in a body, we are a soul having this human experience, spiritual beings having a human experience physically focused in this vessel for a period of time. And then when it's our time to leave, the soul leaves the body. It changes form. It's like, you know, ice melting down into water, then turning into a vapor and a mist. So the soul is eternal and that energy is what connects us all. That's the divine spark that we all have in us. And that is what I call divine spirit or source or God or whatever people want to call it. But it's the eternal nature of who we really are. It's where we came from. It's where we're going to return to. And, um, you know, belief system, what spirits say all the time is that You know, many paths, one truth. It doesn't matter how you get there, just get there. Find a connection to something bigger than yourself, a faith or belief in a divine spirit or energy, whether it's a religious path or a spiritual path, it's your journey. And it really doesn't matter 
as long as you find it. How do we convince like skeptics um, to believe in something that, that's unseen, whether that be God, Jesus, Buddha, um, you know, people in their, their afterlife that they're communicating with the universe? Because I think a lot of times people have a hard time like believing something they can't physically see. What are some things that, um, what are, how, how are, how do you help uh, people that you coach or people you've interacted with, like come to terms with that? So that's a great question. I was a skeptic when this all began for me because I was 20 years old and this was not my wheelhouse. I wasn't raised to talk to dead people. In fact, I was raised in a conservative Jewish household where I believed in God, but I didn't even know what that meant. And um, it was when my dead grandmother started talking to me, going through a depression. And she convinced me because she gave me evidence that was going to play out a couple years later, my future husband, his name, his birth date, things that there's no way I could have known back in 1999. There was no social media. You know, this just organically happened. Then it proved to be true. And that's when I shifted from skeptic to believer. Now it's not even a belief. It's a knowing because what I do, I always say the work with mediumship, it speaks for itself when you can make a solid connection, undeniable evidence nobody could possibly know about your departed loved ones. And I'm able to bring that through. For example, I had a group yesterday of eight people. I do my work over Zoom a lot of times, and it does work the same whether it's remote or in person. And anyways, I was reading the two sisters on two separate cameras, and um, I could tell they were skeptical. And they really wanted to believe, but they weren't quite there. And I said to them, your mom was in the car with you yesterday. I'm not sure which one of you, but she's saying she played a song. And I'm hearing Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. And they about fell out of their chairs. They said, yesterday, we were driving around together saying, mom, if this is real, play that song on the radio today, then bring it up to Rebecca tomorrow. They went all day, hours, they said, nothing at the last minute before they got out of the car, the song started playing. I then bring it through, relaying. Like stuff like that builds faith and trust. It's evidence that I couldn't know. And the truth is, to really answer your question, I don't feel it's my job to convert skeptics to believers. I feel it's my job to be a messenger for spirit, deliver the goods, leave it there. If people want to believe, awesome. If they don't, that's okay too. They're at where they at. And honestly, I have no judgment in it. I just, I have, I hope for them that they open up at some point. How, how can people determine like what, like who or what they're communicating with externally? Like how, how do you decipher between, like you mentioned, you were talking to your grandmother, like how would you know, how would you know it was her talking to you versus like your intuition, God, the universe? Like, how do you, how do you know what's what? I'll be honest, it's super confusing when you're new at this, because for me, I was half the time, I didn't even know what I was communicating with, like they would have to tell me. So when I communicated for me, it came through the form of writing journaling, and it's called automatic writing. And it would be an introduction, like my guardian angel, she would just start scribbling a y a y. I'm like, who is this? And she's like, I'm your angel a y. And so I named her Maya because I couldn't call her A-Y. So I slapped an M on it and M-A-Y-A. So anyways, they would introduce like, this is grandma babe, but you can feel it. And when you get more skilled at it, like for me, when I do readings, I see angels as colors. Um, They're a high frequency. I see dead people. I don't actually see them in my mind's eye. I might see them, but I hear, I'm very auditory. I'll get names or sounds like. 
So they will introduce themselves and there's different levels. There's like we talked about, there's pets, animal heaven, there's um, departed loved ones, angels, there's spirit guides. And so it takes a, it takes practice. You just have to get to know it and then you'll start to recognize it when you feel it. And we're definitely going to get back to diving into all of that and how people can get connected with the external world and start to connect with the universe, um, spirit, God, like when they're out in nature and stuff like that. But I know a lot of your work is rooted in, in helping people get more connected to themselves, which I think is probably super helpful in you know leading somebody to faith in in some of these things um you know what are some ways that um like what are some symptoms i should say to start that somebody's feeling disconnected from their true self yeah so my book what's your heaven i wrote seven fundamental lessons here that um i witness with clients all the time the first lesson is i am connected and the truth okay so the truth is most people feel disconnected and what that means is they are running around unplugged from divine spirit or source, their higher selves, their team and spirit. And that means ego and ego stands for edging God out. Okay. So when that happens, you feel lost, alone, confused, overwhelmed. You're trying to do it all from a very limited perspective versus when you're plugged in, it's a, it's a co-creative effort. You're not alone. You get divine guidance, gene, that divine genius that comes to you, you know, um, the feeling that you could conquer anything because it's not just you. It's you with an army of angels assisting you. Um, and so how do people get plugged in? First of all, it takes awareness. You have to wake up. And so many people are. I think the pandemic, the gift was client after client coming to me at a crossroads saying, like, there has to be more. I'm sick of the struggle, the pain, the suffering. Isn't there an easier way to do this thing? And we're in earth school. And in earth school, yeah, we have homework. We have lessons. But you can learn it the easy way or the hard way. And the easy way is grace, ease, joy, and flow or pain and struggle. So the way to do that is, number one, meditate. Okay? And meditate doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have, you don't have to have formal training. It truly can be breathe. Call your awareness back to the present moment because when we're future tripping, worrying about stuff that hasn't happened, or we're stuck in the past, regrets, shame, worry, guilt, whatever, you're not present. And when you're not present, you miss the signs from spirit. You miss the intuitive hits. Okay. You're in your head. You're not in your heart. So I think a big thing is let's figure out how to drop from our heads, the constant monkey mind, mind chatter get still, drop into your heart. And what spirit reminds us of all the time is that your feelings are your guidance, okay? Your mind can lie to you. Your thoughts can create stories, false narratives, false beliefs, but your feelings don't lie. That's truth. And so figure out how do you get in your body? How do you get present? Breathe, go running, go walking, nature, ground yourself. There's little things you can do. And the book is full of all sorts of tips and tools and yeah, I love how you broke it down in the book in these different lessons and you gave like real life examples, not with even in your own life and with your husband and just the people that you've worked with. Um, and then so taking it a neck to the next level, like once um, somebody like gets connected to themselves and let's just say that they um, have discovered that they are in a spot that they, 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 that they don't want to be in in their life and they're feeling lost and stuck, and they're scared. How can somebody transcend that? For sure. This is so good because this is what 
we're all waking up to is why do I keep repeating the same patterns? Why do I keep attracting the same type of guy or girl? Why do I keep having the same money issues? Or, you know, whatever the frustrating struggle or pattern is in your life, there's a reason. The struggle is a clue to your homework in this lifetime. So instead of saying like, why does this keep happening to me? Or why isn't this happening? You stop and you say, okay, what is this here to teach me? Okay, and how do I find balance? Because really we're here to heal and balance karmic, unfinished karmic baggage. Okay, whether you brought it in from past lives or it's created in this life. And so what you want to do is kind of lean into it. You don't want to spiritually bypass, love and light it away. You want to feel it. You want to feel the discomfort. And then you want to name what's the struggle and what's the feeling associated with this. And what's the false belief I've been carrying around? And so I have a program in there where you flip it. You change the false belief from like, I am a loser to I am amazing or I am worthy. Okay. And so you have to do the work to after you identify what the struggle is and why you've created this, or sometimes it's intergenerational, it's been passed down to you. There's a pattern in your family of, you know, some sort. And you're like, wait, it stops with me. I don't want to keep repeating the same struggle that my my dad went through and my grandfather went through. So it's waking up to that. And then it's doing the work. Now, the biggest thing I could say to you is it's changing your energy. It's changing your vibration. Because what we vibe at is what we experience, what we attract. Okay. So the thoughts we keep repeating, they're real. It's that whole law of attraction. Um, and so this is in the book I talk about Dr. David Hawkins. He wrote some amazing books out there, Power Versus Force, but he has this scale of consciousness and has all the emotions on it. And at the bottom of the scale are the lowest vibrating ones like shame and, and guilt and victim. And then at the top, you have enlightenment and connection and oneness and love. And so you want to move up that scale as much as you can. And another way to say that is you want to raise your vibration. So it's figuring out how to do that. And again, I, I walk you through how to do that in the book. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago when we were ta talking about affirmations. And I think people struggle sometimes with affirmations because what they're saying, they might be saying the things, but their life is like polar opposite of that. Like they might be in dire straits or their life might be falling apart. And so when they say, I'm amazing, it's almost like, well, like where's the evidence? So how can somebody begin to to bridge the gap there so that they can maybe um, obviously change the way they, they speak to themselves because that's important, but also like, like be realistic with what's going on. Exactly. Look, I'm a realist and you you know, you, the reality is the reality. The thing spirit says though, if you keep vibrating or believing or repeating the reality, you're never going to get to your desired outcome. And so you have to shift it from what is, and then you turn it to what you're moving toward. It's like focusing forward. So even if it's not true now, you're trying to call in your future reality into this time space because time is not linear when you're working with spirit. So you you affirm that I am, I am are the most powerful words of creation and it's I am, whatever it is you choose to call in. But affirmations alone don't work. Okay? There we go. That's what I like. They don't. Yeah. And I agree. And so what I have found is I have a program called Change It, Run It, Tap It. You flip the false belief to the desired out, the, 
the affirmation, I am what. Run it, change it, run it, tap it is, run it is run your energy, okay? So every week for the last five years, I've been working with a healer. She's like my mentor. And we have transformed my being to a whole new level from this. And running energy is basically using the vibration of color frequencies to recalibrate, to clear out false beliefs, to change your energy. And so there's different colors vibrate at different frequencies. So I talk about it in the book, and then you visualize these colors, you know, running through your physical system, your chakras, and your auric field. And then tap it is emotional freedom technique. And that's an ancient form of Chinese acupressure mixed with modern psychology. And you're basically breaking up those false beliefs that are ingrained in your cellular being so that you're allowing these emotional toxins to release. So when you combine those three, change it, run it, tap it, it's a powerful combination. If you do it consistently for a period of time, you will see your energy changing and your entire belief system changing. And then what role do you think that um, like action and results like plays into that? Like meaning if somebody is looking to um, transform their romantic relationships and they're in a, they've been in crappy relationship time after time and they're doing the things, they're connecting with their body, they're changing the way they speak to themselves. And um, like, do you, do you believe that in order for somebody to truly like raise their vibrational energy when it comes to relationships, they have to like enter into a healthy relationship? So, you know, it's really hard to say in general. Well, first of all, let me just say this. I've had a couple girlfriends who have actually finished my book and they said they, one of them went on three dates the following day. She said, I swear I healed my dad issues. He came to me in a dream. And then, you know, I realized my root issue was I don't allow love in because I had daddy issues. The next day she got asked out and went on three dates. Okay. And so I've had two people tell me this book, just reading it attunes you to the frequency of whatever it is you're trying to transform and heal. Okay. So intention alone, energy follows intention. Um, so I guess to answer your question, everybody has a different soul contract. So meaning you may want love and a deep, intimate relationship, but if that's not part of what you signed up for your soul contract, it doesn't matter what you do. It's probably not going to happen. Okay. And part of the gift of coming to me for reading is I do the work for you. I read it. I'm like, Hey, by the way, at 48, you're supposed to have a breakup and then you're going to go into the love of your life or between 50 and 52. Like I'm able to look at your soul contract and see what you designed before you were born. And these are only probable outcomes based on free will. If you go with the flow, these are likely going to pop up in your life at certain points along your journey. So it really is case by case. But I, again, I walk readers through a process where they can get in touch. You know, you don't need me. You don't need anyone outside of yourself to get in touch with your soul truth and your contract. So if you don't have access to someone else to help you, Call it in and when you go to sleep at night. Ask your higher self, ask your team to show you in dreams or in meditation, okay, or journal writing, or there's all sorts of ways you can get in touch with that. What are your thoughts on this? Like I, I once heard somebody say um, that like if they're trying to understand like what God, for instance, is trying to tell them, that they literally just ask God and then whatever comes to them, like you write it down. Like is that what you're is that what you're getting at? Do you believe in something similar? To some degree, I mean, the truth is you have to be discerning on what you're asking and you have to be 
how do I say this? Plugged into source, an agreement with source and only source. There are false beings that pose as source energy or Jesus or enlightened masters that are not, they're dark. I'm very careful what I work with. In fact, before anything, I always call in only beings in agreement with source, light, love, truth. And I would just tell people if they're going to play around with it, make sure they insist on that. And then if something comes in or comes to them, ask, is this of the light? Is this from source? Because if it's not, it will go away. And then if you get that, then if it feels like it is, then you could follow that guidance or trust it as a sincere connection. And so speaking of going back, you talked about the soul contract and that how we all have this unique pattern to live in our lives. I know I've heard you say that each of us are going, we live at, we live to learn like three to five lessons throughout the course of our life or something like that. What are some of the most common lessons you see people learning? Well, okay. So I wrote a chapter in the book on worth because worth is the number one. Like even the most successful people like will have imposter syndrome, you know, feelings of inadequacy despite evident success. So worth is a huge one. I think so many of us don't feel worthy, but here's what I hear from spirits. There's a line out the door, like fierce competition for a soul to get into a body. There's infinite number of bodies available when you reincarnate into a a womb and there's infinite souls. Okay. And so what's happening is if you're here right now, listening to this, consider yourself worthy. That means you have a purpose. Okay. You matter. And, and so that it's hard sometimes for the mind to really believe that, but the soul does know that. So, um, you know, some people, so I have on my website, uh, an assessment people can take to figure out what are my top two to five biggest life lessons. They can walk through it and it will narrow it down for you. But then I have in that, there's a list of the 30 most common universal lessons. Maybe you're here to learn um, neutrality, non-judgment. Maybe you're here to learn grief, lessons around grief or guilt or shame. Maybe you're here to learn how to be more kind or loving to yourself, to others. So we all have different lessons, but you'll see these patterns in your life. Like for me, one of them was boundaries. I was tested over and over and over, and I think I'm getting it. It's a work in progress. And here's what you need to know. We're not graded. We're not, Spirit doesn't like keep score or grade us on the outcome. It's our effort. It's our intention. Okay. And I know I still make mistakes. We're students in earth school. It's okay. As long as your intention is to learn from those and try and do and be better each time. And it will get less and less. Eventually it will go away. You'll stop repeating the patterns. I want to spend a few minutes talking about worth. I mean, A, because you said it's like the biggest lesson that you think people need to learn, but also because you hear so much that um, people feel worthless, people feel unworthy, they feel you know a low self-worth. Um, why do you think, um, despite like all the information out there of telling people that they are enough and that they are worthy and that they do have the power within them, like why do you believe that so many people today like, are feeling the sense of unworthiness? Well, I think a big part of it is that we're in a day and age where there's all this competition and comparison with social media. And, um, you know, you just turn on the television and you, you know, or you log into your device and you can't help, but it's human nature to met, you compare yourself. And then you start to wonder if you're measuring up. 
You know, sometimes it's the conditioning, the ingrained message you got growing up or didn't get from your caregivers about you are enough, or maybe it was drilled in your head. You had to do things a certain way and to perfection. So we're unlearning these false beliefs, maybe projected onto us by our elders or the world around us. But I think the biggest thing is what goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning in lesson number one is that we become disconnected. So that means that we it's like spiritual amnesia. We're born and we fall asleep to who we really are. Who we really are is we are these magnificent, powerful, eternal beings of light. And we have all this unlimited potential, but our ego, we self-sabotage because we have a mind and the mind goes into these frequencies of judgment. We judge ourselves, then we separate from others and ourselves. And from there, that's where the suffering happens. When I, when I hear the word worth, I, th- I think, and I think a lot of people think this is that they think about measuring something, like measuring up, like what's my net worth, right? Like how much you know, money do I have or how many followers do I have or how much am I making every month? Um, how, do you, how do you measure worth? Like how can somebody, in your opinion, measure worth, their worthiness in a way that it's maintainable, it's measurable, they have something to aim towards, but it's not necessarily going to um, like crush them if they don't like achieve a certain goal. Yeah. You know, for me, I've learned that worth, I measure in honor for self, how I show up in the world. My worth comes from showing up in love, showing up in kindness and generosity. So I feel worthy when I am patient with my six-year-old when, you know, I could easily be judgmental or impatient. And, and so worth to me, it's such a superficial scale, but we all do it, myself included, when we measure, measure based on what the scale says that day, what your bank account is, what your portfolio package is, you know, that is very earthly, very limited, short-sighted. And what spirits tell me all the, all the time is that when we die, the only thing going with us is the kindness, the love, the generosity that we shared, that we gave and we received in life, the memories we created with the ones we love, how we showed up. That's how we want to measure our worth. And so what I was in the book, I talk about my lessons around money, but it's not about, it's like, I only felt worthy if I could what I could give to somebody, how I could take care of them for my own fear of abandonment. If I took care of them this way, X, Y, and Z, or paid for this, they wouldn't leave me, okay? And that was such false thinking. And so when I woke up to it, no, my worth is how I show up, just being me, perfectly imperfect. And so what I've started doing is a gratitude practice for myself. Anybody can do this, but measuring your worth in being grateful, honor for self, regard for self, So what I do is I name three things at the end of the day as I'm falling asleep. I'm so grateful to myself for how I showed up and I was generous to, you know, this person or how I was patient or how I was, whatever you want to say, you want to acknowledge yourself because everything comes from the inside out. If you can have love, self-love and self-worth, then you're able to give that in service to others. So what I'm hearing you say is, um, that the way you measure worth is by the way you treat yourself and then in turn how you treat other people and then the way to build 
your level of worthiness is to honor yourself on a daily basis while doing your best to practice kindness to other people. Exactly. Compassion for self, compassion for others. And so you've spent, you know, the last two decades communicating with, with people in the afterlife. Um, you kind of hinted at this, but I'd like to go deeper in that so many people, um, as we've kind of talked about, we just are constantly ch- going after the wrong things for a level for importance. We're, we're um, ditching our family to work more. We're ditching sleep um, to stay up late to do certain things. We're, we're, we many cases have our priorities all wrong. If you were to, to ask, um, like generally, the people that you've spoken to in the afterlife, knowing what they know now about like what's really meaningful in the world, what are a few things you think people should focus on? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I have been using for quite some time now. Lately, I've been trying to use it as an alternative to coffee as I'm trying to cut back. I can say I think it might be working. Using it can be as simple as adding it to a smoothie or mixing it with water or your favorite nut milk. Cacao Bliss starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com slash Doug Again, it's earthechofoods.com slash Doug to check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Really, random acts of kindness, showing up in generosity and kindness in service to others without any strings attached, that's huge. That's a sign of an old soul. Um, creating quality time, creating joy, measuring your success in life through joy, not dollars. That's a big one, right? It's because, again, like I said, when we die, we don't have pockets. All we're taking is our, you know, karma is the good we did, the love we gave, the kindness we showed. And so figure out what that means for you. What brings you joy? What lights you up? Do more of that. Spirits never come through talking about they wish they would have stayed longer at the office or made more money ever. They may have said they wish they would have managed their money better and they didn't spend it frivolously or um, enabling people. But they always talk about wishing they would have spent more time being present, getting off their phone, getting off scrolling through Facebook, you know, really just being present. My daughter, six-year-old, she's so wise. She calls me on stuff all the time. She's definitely like a mother from another lifetime, but I'm learning how to be present and engaged and not distracted. And so often she'll call me. She's like, mom, put down your phone. I asked you a question. Talk to me. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. And so it's about be here now and be here and, and create from the frequency of light and not shadow. And what I mean by that is showing up each day, making choices from your higher self, from that place of what we were saying, self-love, self-regard, um, light, truth versus your shadow, your ego, your, the frightened parts of your personality, 
which is so many of us do that. And we don't even realize it. We're like sleepwalking through life and we're reactive, defensive, and we're living from our heads and not our hearts. And so spirits all the time, gently, but directly remind us to live from our heart. You brought up an interesting point because you said like a lot of people are sleepwalking. They have no idea like where they're reacting or responding from. Um, how can somebody begin to unravel all that and understand like, are they communicating from their higher self? Or are they communicating from a sense of ego? Yeah, it's pretty, once you set the intention to kind of call yourself on it and ask like spirit, like help me do and be better, you start to notice it. So when you react, it's very, um, anytime you're coming from a place of judgment or defensiveness, right, wrong, good, bad, um, that's ego versus you want to get neutral. I think the most important thing and easiest thing place to start is get out of judgment, get to neutrality, okay, where you're just kind of the objective observer, curious, open, but not jumping to conclusions or being dogmatic or being self-righteous, just being. That's a good place to start. Um, and and how do you get there? I mean, again, go take a nap. If you're cranky or judgmental, go go take a nap and like recalibrate. Um, go for a walk, go for go for a workout, um, go into nature, you know, go meditate, but get neutral. I think that's where you start. And then from there, how do you know if you're in your higher self? Well, that's pretty obvious. Those it's you're it, I don't know, it's simple, it's kind, it's loving, it's accepting, it's all those feelings of heaven. You know, I named the book, What's Your Heaven? Because heaven isn't a place. It's a feeling. It's a state of being and it's a way of life. And you can bring heaven to earth now. So it's like name your heaven and live your heaven versus, and that's just meaning be in those heavenly feelings. And when you're in those, you are coming from your higher self. What steps can somebody take to begin to identify like what their heaven is, like what they want their life to look like so that that way they can try and figure out how to get there? So just compare it to your physical world. It's kind of like what in this world brings you joy? Because whatever that is, is going to be what lights you up, raises your vibe, puts you in the higher emotions that we said are heavenly. So maybe for some people, it's like surfing and other people, it's going to be a night in Vegas. And for some people, it's a hike in the mountains. Like we all have different things that bring us joy and light us up. None good, not bad. It's, it just is. So you got to figure out, okay, what is my happy place? And then find ways, if you can't get to the beach, like I'm in Denver, Colorado, I am i don't know why I chose here because my heaven is a beach somewhere warm and sunny all the time. That is not here. But what I do, if I can't get there, I close my eyes, I meditate, or I draw, I pull up pictures of when I was at the beach and it activates a feeling. And I sit in that feeling and allow the emotion to take me back to my happy place. So there's ways to identify those things and then call it in on a daily basis. Even if you physically can't, you you daydream about it. You visualize it. You kind of marinate in the feeling of it because at the end of the day, it's all about the feeling, right? The vibration so that you start attracting more things that match that same feeling and that energy. And it sounds a lot what you're getting at is like the power of manifestation, right? Is like trying to bring certain things in your life. I I know our mutual friend like Gabby Bernstein, she talks about like really getting to a good spot like mentally before you start trying to manifest things. So that way you start attracting the right things in your life. Um, 
like what is your opinion on on all of that like do you think that somebody needs to really do the work on themselves to get to a pretty good spot vibrationally before they start thinking about what their heaven is you know i think you can do it all at the same time because if you're thinking about what your heaven is it's naturally going to help you're going to go within and you're going to start changing your energy in fact it might be helpful to do it backwards think about what your heaven is because we all have those ideas sit with it feel it but everything starts from the inside out. You got to begin within. So it's really about get real, get honest with yourself, you know, without judgment and just see what comes up for you and then figure out what you need to do to get past yourself and, and transform whatever that limitation is that you've placed on yourself. This goes back to my work in reading soul contracts, meaning Every single one of us planned our own curriculum before we came into earth school, okay? So if you chose your script, your loose blueprint of what you're going to go through, you can rewrite it. If you don't like it or you're like, wow, I was overly ambitious when I signed up for this, right? Or I must have been on drugs because I don't know what I was thinking, you can change it, okay? So it empowers people. We're talking about manifesting. We are co-creators of our life. There are probabilities, certain things that will show up because that those are the assignments that we're here to tackle. But what we do with them depends on our free will choice each moment. And that's why I'm saying if you're choosing from the frequency of light and not shadow, you're going to learn through ease and grace and joy, and you're going to knock those off your list and life gets magical and fun because you're not constantly suffering and struggling and like on the hamster wheel, right? And so it really comes down to being conscious, like showing up, being very mindful, conscious of your choices, accountable. I can't tell you how many times I hear from spirits saying that they would project or blame or scapegoat. Like instead, when we die, we're transparent. We have to take full accountability for all our thoughts, words, and deeds. So we might as well do it now so that we can, you know, move past all of that and again, live heaven now and not wait till we die. And the other big thing is that we pick up in death where we left off in life. So there's no hiding. You can't escape you. You can't escape your lessons. What do you, what do you touch on that? What do you mean by that? Are you saying that when people die, they end up just living in, 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 in heaven or wherever they go, like they just end up continue continue on the path they were on. So what happens is you wake up to holy crap. At the end of the day, we're all held accountable. There's no escaping it. But it's in a way that we're ready to handle it or deal with it. So for better or for worse, everything follows you. Okay? And so that's why you want to try and do and be your best. Now, I'm not talking about making mistakes. We're not supposed to be perfect. No one's going to hell because, you know, they stole bubble gum at the age of five, right? It's, it's all about intention, okay? And it's about accountability. And so what happens is when we get over there, we're like, oh my God, I was a, control, a total control freak or abuser. So I need to balance that karma. So in my next life, I'm going to switch roles with the person I abused or controlled so that I can have deeper compassion and grace and and feel what it felt like to be on the receiving end 
Okay. And that's how we work with each other. There's a chapter in the book where it's two chapters. It's I am learning from others and I'm teaching others. And I talk about soul groups and how we all show up and sign up to play out different roles for each other to help each other learn and grow. And so sometimes that's a role reversal, like I was just talking about, where you will in one lifetime be the victim, the next time be the the perpetrator, the abuser. And because you need to learn both sides to be, to neutralize it. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to ask something that kind of t- tie a couple things together. You mentioned a couple minutes ago that you think your daughter was your mo- a mother figure, I believe, in a different lifetime, and then you've talked about now how people end up playing different roles, like in the afterlife, and they end up, you know, uh, reliving some of the stuff that they were previously living, and that other people in our lives to teach us a lesson. How does this, based on your beliefs and what you know, how does this all kind of come together when somebody goes into the afterlife? Like, is this person conscious of what they're doing when they're in the afterlife? Is it totally unconscious? Um, Is this person like literally in somebody else's body, like walking around? Or is this person just like, I mean, I I just think of somebody just like laying in like the clouds, right? And they're just chilling there. So talk about your uh, perspective on that. Like I talked about earlier, when we incarnate, we purposely forget because there's a thing as TMI. Like, I don't want to know that my current husband was my child in my past life. Like some things you just don't want to know or you don't need to know. Okay. But if it's going to be helpful for the healing of a situation with that person, you then do know whether it's through a past life regression or a meditation or a dream or a reading you have with somebody. But the point is, is that you're not conscious of it here until you wake up. And then sometimes you are conscious, but that, you know, I always say spirit gives you what you need to know for your highest good and for the highest good of all. It's never too much. It's going to hurt you, harm you, or scare you. So we, I meet people where they're at. And so we only get what you're ready to hear that would prove to be healing or helpful, right? And so when you're in body, you start to identify that. Now, when people die, So let's say you have a close relationship with your father. Your father passes on, okay? You still have a relationship with him, except you're physical and he's in an energetic state. And you can still connect and have a relationship if you match your energetic frequencies and you connect on that frequency of love. But so many of us are in grief or suffering that it's a mismatch. So we can't feel our dead loved ones. We don't get signs. We don't have the dream visitations, right? But the point is, whether you're alive or not, discarnate, we're all doing this big song and dance together, playing out different roles to help each other evolve and grow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the other thing I was, I was asking is like, um, let's just say that you know, using that same example of, you know, my, my dad passes away in the afterlife, which, you know, um, thankfully he's still here, but just using the same example, um, based on what you were saying and what, you know, would, would his spirit like be in somebody else's like body that I'm going to encounter like throughout my life, that's going to teach me lessons. So if he chooses to reincarnate while you're still embodied, then yes, he could become your grandchild one day. What I have heard, the average soul waits about 100 years or two generations because they're in no rush to come back. This is earth school. That's summer vacation if you've played your cards right here. 
And so you're not in a rush to jump back in and do the work. You kind of want a breather. And then you want the people like you to join you over there so you can take off the mask, kind of do a deep dive into where you failed, where you succeeded in your relationship with each other, and then renegotiate what soul contract you're going to go into for the next round. And some people choose not to come back. It's very rare. You don't have to reincarnate. That's your free will choice. But, um, and, and here's another question I get all the time. So if your dad died and then let's say he did, I've done many readings where I'm like, Hey, your grandson, Jacob, he's your grandfather. And the woman, she's like 64. She goes, Oh my God. We say he looks like my grandfather. He acts like my grandfather. I'm like, he's the reincarnation. I couldn't channel her grandfather because his soul was not in the spirit world. It's embodied. And I don't channel living people, thankfully. So staying on this topic and kind of bringing things essentially full circle, um, obviously the first step in connecting with the external world and, and having conversations with maybe people that aren't with us anymore, having conversations with God, the universe is this belief, right? Is letting go and surrendering to this, this thing. You have to suspend doubt and disbelief long enough to open up to the possibility and then miracles can and will happen. That makes okay. And so staying on staying on that conversation, how can people begin to connect with the universe if they want to connect with some like how do they begin to identify like who they can communicate with? Yeah, no, I love this. This is my favorite part because it's so much fun when you start getting the validation. So you put it out there. You say, you either say to your team, even if you don't know who they are, like, I know you're there, please introduce yourself to me. You either then go into a meditation or you go to sleep and you invite it into a dream or um, you say, show me a sign in the next few days. And then you let go. But with the knowing it's possible, letting go, making space, don't go look for it. You don't want to force it, right? So I want to give you an example. Of course, I believe the, but like a week ago, I was in Omaha. It's where I'm from. I was doing a big book launch event there. And I was in a meditation and my guide said, we want you to know that we'll be with you. We're going to give you sunflowers when you're there. And I'm like, all right, on my trip sometime, no sunflowers. Well, my last day there, I do my big event, 400 people. And so at the end, this man and his wife, I've done readings, their son died by suicide. And they came up to me and they said, you changed our life. He said, I had sunflowers. They're sitting on my counter in a vase and I didn't bring them. And I feel like I should have, but I'm going to take a picture and send them to you because I just felt so strongly. My son, Stephen, wanted me to give you these sunflowers. So I smiled. I'm like, that's all I needed. I'm like, thanks, guys. So your angels will talk to you. It didn't come in the form I expected, but that's where you have to stop. What and why? I'll leave your listeners with this. What do you want and what's your why behind it? Let go of the how, who, when, where, like the details, surrender that to spirit, okay? You release attachment to the outcome. You're just super clear on your what and your why on whatever it is you want, whether you want to connect, you want you want validation from your team and spirit, or you want to manifest your, your dream desires. What and why and surrender the rest. And then so once you do that, and let's just say that, like, for instance, like somebody that I would love to, you know, that was a really painful loss for me was my cellmate died last year who helped me change my life in jail. If I wanted to somehow be able to have a communication with him, um, like what would be like a, a natural way for me to, to try to, to have that if, if it was possible? 
your dreams because there's no resistance. Your mind is your mind's quiet and out of the way. Um, you have to be ready for it, and that soul has to be skilled enough to know how to project their energy into that space. Um, but dreams seem to be the easiest way because you let go of control. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you're a more, you have a deeper spiritual practice, meditation. Now, the biggest thing with meditation is you might struggle, which I did for years, with thinking that you're making it up. And that's where you have to just let those mind thoughts be there, the yeah, right, or, you know, like all the doubt that creeps in. Let it be there, but try not to give it too much energy. Just acknowledge it like a cloud passing by, but then receive the message. Because the right brain is the center of creativity, imagination, and intuition. It's all coming from the same place. But that's where the meditation happens. And that's where this connection with departed loved ones happens. So when you're in meditation, if you said to your soulmate, okay, this is really you. Will you please like validate this outside of my meditation? And then he's going to say like, I'm going to show you a license plate with my initials on it. Or I'm going to show you a special license plate. A song pops in your head. And then an hour later, you're in the car and the song comes on. Okay, or the license plate has his initials. Like there's ways to communicate with them. So they want you to trust. They want you to relieve doubt. So they're going to go out of their way to try and make that happen for you so that you do build a deeper faith and trust. And then so if I did that and let's just say that it didn't work, right? I'm like, I'm like, hey, show me this. Then would I try to continue to communicate with him or would I just you know, move on and just let go and assume that somebody else is going to try and communicate with me? So you want to let go. You want to, it, it didn't happen yet. Yet is the key word. I did a reading for a woman 10 years ago. Her daughter died. She came to me a few months later. Her daughter's name was Jen, okay? This woman's name was Carol. And she wrote me an email a few months ago telling me this crazy story. I said, Jen, talking about you guys getting Starbucks often together. She said, that was our thing every weekend. We went and got Starbucks and caught up. And I said, Jen is going to mix up your coffee order to let you know she's around. 10 years went by, this poor woman. She, on the anniversary of Jen's birthday, what would have been her earthly birthday, the woman said, you know, her name was Carol. She goes, Carol, your coffee's up. She gets her coffee, goes to her office, puts on her desk. And you know how they write your name on the side at Starbucks? It said Jen. A marker. She took a picture and sent to me. She goes, Rebecca, I've been waiting 10 years for this. Time is a weird, funny, frustrating thing in this world because it's not linear in the spirit world. So they're going to talk about things. And maybe Jen tried 50 times and it just, the barista wasn't doing its job by being a good intuitive listener. Who knows? But, and sometimes you're not ready and there's all sorts of reasons why timing can be off. But if you surrender it and trust in divine timing, and let's just say your friend's not coming to you, but you're like, but I open it up to whoever is in my highest and best good to come to me. Let's say your grandfather visits you or a ascended master or a spirit guide or whatever it is, be open because our mind gets so attached to an outcome like the shoulds. It should be this. It should look like that, that sometimes we miss the miracle. And so staying on this, because this is something that I, I wanted to go into next is um, how can people pay attention um, to the signs that there's somebody 
maybe you mentioned, you know, my, my grandfather or somebody who's in their afterlife um, is trying to communicate with them. So really it's the out of the blue, like thoughts and feelings and, and events that happen that like, honestly, you can't explain. They just happen without any trailed thought. And that's when you have to say, okay, that could be a miracle versus like, you know, your mind starts to make stuff up and it's complicated. You know, signs are really direct. They come and go and they're not prompted. Um, so you just want to start paying attention to the what I call synchronicities. It, there is no coincidence, okay? It's synchronicity. And with the stuff you can't explain on paper, but you know it's something bigger going on behind the scenes to orchestrate these amazing things that happen. Um, and so, you know, when you start, okay. So for instance, the signs. We all see pennies from time to time, but spirits like to use coins and pennies from heaven. And why, what I've been told is a lot of times when we're struggling with trust, they use coins because it says on each coin, in God, we trust. That's what they've told me. So um, the other day, two days ago, I went to pull towels out of my dryer. Towels, not clothes with pockets, towels. There was a shiny penny sitting on top like of the, the pile of towels. And so I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. Pennies aren't my sign. So I go into my group reading that day and I, I'm reading eight people. And I said to this woman, pennies from heaven, it's your mom. She goes, oh, she goes on and on about how she asked her mom to send her pennies before she died. And she's gotten all these pennies. And I said, guess what? This morning, your mom showed me this penny frame of reference. That penny was for you and not for me. So there's all sorts of ways to receive signs. Sometimes it's not direct. Sometimes it's a messenger, somebody else telling you. Sometimes it is direct. But whatever it is, if you set the intention, I'm open, available, and grateful for. Like, thank you for this now before it's happened. I promise you, you'll start getting amazing signs. So I would imagine over the years, you've, you've coached people and you've helped people who are religious. Um, you know, maybe they're Christian, maybe they're Buddhist, maybe they're, you know, whatever religion they decide. And there's a lot of times there's there's resi there, there's resistance there because they're like, if I do this, does that mean I'm no longer that, right? How do you help people, um, like make it all work together? Yeah, you know, I think it comes back to getting out of the judgment of good, bad, right, wrong, this way, that way. I mean, it's it's really just again many paths, one truth. Like as long as whatever paths, plural, not just singular, that you're choosing to explore, as long as it's with the intention of bringing you to truth with a capital T, then it's complementary. It's not, you know, exclusive. And so I think you really, this comes down to people feel judgmental or when they feel threatened. Okay. You know, it's like, their way is the way. That's a very scary place to be. But they're doing it out of fear. Like you're going to threaten my belief system, which means then I'm out of control. And then I don't know, you know, what the hell I'm doing. And that's scary. It's a control thing. And that's ego. Okay. And a really wise, humble, open, curious being is an old soul that would be open and compassionate to many ways. It, Spirit says this all the time. Again, it doesn't matter how you find truth or connection to something bigger, just that you do. 
So I always tell people, feel your way through it. If something feels good, true, kind, loving, honest, follow that. And you know when you're dealing with something that's occult or shady or, you know, dogmatic, um, you know, it's, it, you can feel it and it's uncomfortable. And that's usually a big red flag. 100%. Like anybody who's not willing to have an open conversation or nuance, it's a major red flag. I think in any subject of life that anybody's trying to talk about. You talked about getting grounded in meditation. And I would say that for people, when they think about getting grounded or becoming peaceful, meditation is like the top thing that comes to mind. Many people, however, have a hard time sitting still. Um, do you find there's any other way to get grounded other than just the traditional meditation? A hundred percent. In fact, there's days I cannot sit. I've had too much coffee or I'm too wound up. So I go for a walk. Um, I I have next to my office is this amazing big park. And I'll just, when in the nice months, I take off my shoes and I walk on the grass as a moving meditation because literally grounding called earthing, it, it grounds you. It changes your entire energy field. Um, but go for a run, go for a hike, um, go do yoga, tai chi, whatever it is, move your energy. Because a lot of times people, spirits will come through and say, hey, when you were on your Peloton the other day, in a class, by the way, your angel was talking to you and you got this overwhelming, out of the blue, genius idea for your business. And the person was like, yeah, I did. Well, guess what? You're having a spiritual experience in the middle of a busy workout class. Okay, there's different ways to get grounded. There's different ways to meditate. It's not a one size fits all. You have to figure out for you, and it may change day to day based on your energy, where you're at. That's reassuring because like what I often will go on like a very slow paced jog that's not necessarily for my heart. It's more for like my mind. It's like a moving meditation and a lot of like my greatest like business ideas and I had stuff for like podcasts and stuff have come from like slowly, slowly moving forward um, or slowly moving like in a run. Um we talked. We touched on like lessons, and a lot of people they're they're here to live out certain lessons and learn certain lessons in their life. But I know one of the things you talk about is helping people transform from like a, a space of victimhood to empowerment, and that's a tough thing for people to do because some there's some people that are either dealt some horrific circumstances or they experienced something like throughout their life that was completely out of their control, and they're like what the heck? Like, how can I convince myself that this is supposed to happen for me? Um, how can somebody make that shift? So I think the first thing is recognizing that, and I don't mean this in an incompassionate way, but it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And so when you start saying, okay, what is this here to teach me then? And when you're able to then put your finger on, okay, now, Sometimes you need someone outside of yourself to help you, like somebody like me. Sometimes you can do it on your own, but to help you walk through, okay, recognizing if what if you were a horribly abused child, but you were the old soul, the black sheep in the family who said, I am so evolved. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to come into this very dysfunctional family and it's part of my soul group, but I am kind of like light years ahead. And I'm going to take on this role because I know at the end of the day, I'm resilient. I'm untouchable. My soul can't be harmed. Okay. And so I'm going to show up and give them the opportunity to do good, to do better. And they fail miserably because your experience is horrific. 
But if you can zoom out and detach from it and say, okay, I chose that, but I did it because I was an earth angel or whatever you want to call it. It changes the storyline. You reframe it and you move from victim to like agent of change or co-creator. You're an empowered state. And so, you know, sometimes you can meditate on your situation and say, I'm in a horrible, abusive relationship. What is this here to teach me? And you might come to that on your own. You might have a dream. You might get a reading and somebody tells you, hey, your boyfriend who's abusing you is doing exactly what you asked him to do because you, in this case, have lessons to learn about standing up for yourself, setting boundaries, walking away, self-worth. So they're giving you this ample you know, playground to learn that lesson. And so once you wake up to that, you're like, oh, I'm going to take my power back. And that moves you from victim to an empowered place, right? That's what this book is here to do. It's to help you get to the bottom of get out of victim. Recognize you chose this. Okay, why did I choose this? What is this here to teach me? What is my, and then in the book, I talk about like soul groups and soul relationships. And then you can sit with that and meditate on it, journal about it, um, you know, call into your dreams further deeper clarity around the relationship dynamic to help you move out of victim. And so I guess like going back to where we almost started this conversation is the, is the path out of victim to empowerment, really getting connected with yourself and identifying some of these unhealthy patterns and beliefs about yourself and then taking the time to really you know put in the work to, 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 to like transform them. Exactly. It's about do your homework now on Friday night so you can enjoy the weekend rather than cramming it in Sunday evening before you have to, you know, move back to school. It's it's all about look, we are if you're here in a body, consider the fact you have homework and be glad you have homework. Because if you didn't, you would be dead. Okay? So it's blessing the mess, blessing your homework, whatever that is, finding the gifts. And then when you transform them, then it's about paying it forward in service to others. How do you use your situation, the hardships, the challenges you went through? It gives you street credibility. There are gifts in it. Sometimes your worst tragedy becomes your greatest gift because then you find purpose and you can use that for good in service to others. Now, is this getting at what you, is this kind of uh, getting at what you talk about as far as like, soul relationships and soul groups is the ability to pay it forward and um, like turn the pain into purpose. Exactly. You know, first you got to feel it to heal it. And then you find meaning. And after you find meaning, you know, you can create purpose around that. And whether it's with those same soul group members or it's in general in service to others, you know, there's a whole story in the book um, about Lauren, the six-year-old little girl Doug and Julie um, lost their daughter, Lauren, to a school bus driver hitting their daughter by the school bus, and she died at six. Well, that was tremendous, needless to say, grief, pain, and suffering for years. I started working with them 17 years ago. They turned that pain into purpose. They created a whole foundation, Grieve Well, and it helps people process grief, and it's a support system for people going through tragedy and loss. They made a giant contribution to humanity. And Lauren has come through saying, mom, 
I have the chills right now. She's saying, mom, that I'm, I'm your silent partner. That was the whole purpose. I didn't die in vain. I'm an earth angel. It prompted your soul awakening to you and dad to show up and do important work in this world. And we're a team doing it together. That transformed them. Okay. And so when you can find the gifts in the struggle and use it for good, it changes your life. You move out of victim naturally. I love that. Like being able to, um, like being able to like use find some of these painful moments and see that there was meaning in it, right? Like that's the way that I think helps people become more accepting of the past. Um, last thing I want to ask you, um, you know, a lot of people who listen to my podcast, they're always looking to improve their relationships, right? And you 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 start we started our conversation. You talking you talked about like how like essentially like everything on Earth is is energy. Um, how does all of that relate to like the law of attraction? Like, do you believe in the law of attraction? Um, and if so, why or why not? Yes. Um, everything is energy and you match the frequency you're at. So if you're experiencing, you know, everything in this earth world is set up to mirror back to us, our belief system. Okay. And so that's why I'm talking in the book so much about change the false beliefs because whether it's epigenetics, and I talk about that in the book, so meaning it's part of your genes because it was passed down to you, intergenerational patterns. Um, it was conditioned, the household you grew up in or the environment in which you live. So it's that and or law of attraction. It's kind of all the same thing, but you thought it, you got it, okay? What you put out there comes back to you. So if you don't like what's going on, change it, change it. But you first have to recognize that you can. And that is where I come in because I have enough years of experience of channeling dead people that tell me this and it's true. You can change your reality. Bring heaven to earth. You know, you could be in a living hell if you continue to choose those thoughts and suffer. Or you can be on a heaven and earth if you choose those thoughts. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so it starts with the thoughts and then that influences your beliefs and then that influences your your actions, your actions, and everything else. And so, I guess my final, my final question, I guess, is so then, if somebody's looking to like rewire some of these beliefs, like more on a more permanent level, do you think it just requires them changing that "I am" statement, like about themselves, consistently? So it's so that's why I created Change It, Run It, Tap It. It's a program, and I actually have digital content to people walk them through it. But the book has a QR code and it has free content. And in that QR code, you get videos of Change It, Run It, Tap It. And it's so simple. Do it five, 10 minutes a day, every day. Change the beliefs, run your energy with the meditation and the color frequencies, and do the tapping, and you will transform your energy. It works, okay? And if you do it, it's like what, 30 to 60 days, you can reprogram anything. You got to be consistent. You got to do the work. But if you do it, I promise you, naturally, you will change your energy and everything will mirror that back to you by up-leveling. And you just have to do it, you know, again, suspend doubt and disbelief, do it long enough to see the evidence. And that right there will convince you, you are capable of changing your life. You are. You are capable of changing your life. I think this is a perfect place for us to end our convo. So Rebecca, I wanted to thank you once again for coming on. If people want to get the book, if they want to learn more about you and your work and everything that you do, where's the best place for people to do that? Yes. It's RebeccaRosen.com. 
and everything, the book's available, Amazon, any major book retailer, um, but on my website as well, RebeccaRosen.com. And this has been so much fun. I love talking to you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Likewise. And um, for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. We talked about so much stuff. And I think some of the stuff we really, I really have hardly talked about on the podcast. So I think this is cool, whether it be um, the afterlife, whether we talked about like lessons that we're meant to learn in life, talk, like, connecting with um, the unseen, how to believe in that, talking about how to transform yourself, how to transform your beliefs. Um, whatever your takeaway was, make sure to tag myself and tag Rebecca because we'd love to hear your feedback. And um, we we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.